Hi, folks. Welcome along to another episode of the Money Mechanics Podcast, where we are unpacking the money stuff. Today, we're going on a bit of a journey around the goals stuff. And I've, I've often talked about goals on this podcast before and discussed that it's a fairly loaded topic at the best of times. My guest today is uh, Ara Jansen, who's a journalist, a writer, a storyteller. But we connected and we had some really interesting conversations about how discussion around goals, but, but even our goals in themselves evolve and change over time. So it's great to have Ara here. Welcome along today. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. And look, I, I love your bio and I'll just read it out now. I'll probably won't do it, do it justice, but you've interviewed some pretty amazing people in your career and in your life. And I think Snoop Dogg, Sting, um, Prize Scones. But what, you've, you've interviewed the Prize Scones or? I've talked to the Prize Scone, yes. <laughs> I was actually alluding to, uh, to having worked uh, at uh, the Perth Royal Show for a little bit of time and um, covering their scone competition and, of course, you know, the prize cakes and along with prize livestock. So that's what that reference was. I love that. And I do love a good bake-off. Yeah, especially a, a, in a country fair uh, sense as well. Like the CWA does a, a pretty amazing uh, job in that space as well as uh, even the Perth show. But um, look, you've met, you've interviewed, you've even written about some some pretty famous people that we often, I guess, as, as humans in this system, hold up on a, a bit of a pedestal. But as a freelance writer, rock journalist, what's one of your early memories around money? I lived in a third world country growing up. My parents were expats. And I guess my first memory of money was probably an allowance, uh, getting an allowance, but also being aware of the fact that the people that were around me out in the streets were not necessarily as wealthy as my parents were. And not necessarily they were super wealthy, but by comparison to a lot of the locals, they were. So I think there was something in there for me that living a privileged lifestyle um, and noticing the difference, but I'm not sure that that necessarily taught me at the time the value of money particularly more than observation until maybe later. Mm, yeah, and, and we've talked on the podcast before around how I guess by by seven we might actually pick up some of the, the fundamentals or the mechanics of how we're going to deal with money as, as human beings moving on. But as you say, it might not be that you fully understand the value of it. It's more around just the awareness of, wow, okay, I'm actually um, in this system and often say there's there's people who have always got more of it than us and people who have got less of it than us. And so it's often that recollection. Yeah, and so whereabouts were you living at the time, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so I was I was born in Hong Kong and I grew up in the Philippines and um, yeah, wow. and I guess you know adding on to to your query about money I I went to boarding school when I was eleven and I guess at that point in time I also got a, my hands on a little bit more money in terms of my pocket money and you know I had to uh, at a small level look after my money for myself um, for those couple of years that I was uh, a long way from my family. Mm. Out of those those early memories, and then um, moving along into life, have, have you got any sort of lessons that you've you've learned around money so far? And I guess we, we're going down a bit of a tangent here before we jump into the goal stuff. Look, I think the most obvious thing to me was um, the fact that. I really, once I started earning a living, so my first wage for a full week's work as a journalist was $190 after tax. Um, and I thought I earned a fortune. 
and a uh, department store sent me one of those opportunities to get a $5,000 in-store credit card and I thought I was, I'd made it, you know. And I, to be honest, for a lot of years in my life, I didn't pay attention because I was just, because I was working, I was having a good time. I kind of spent what I had, saved a little bit of it, made sure there was enough to go on holidays. But I do remember one of the things my mom told me was that, you know, that great thing about put $25 in the bank every week or every month and you'll, you know, you'll never be in trouble. You know, you'll always have it there. And look, I did that for a while. And then at some point I wanted to go on holidays. So I got rid of it, took it all out and I never started again. So I think, I think as a young person, that was something that I probably should have done a better job at. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And it's, it is fascinating because we do often talk about the, the goals word. And I, I do say, like, again, some people are really triggered by the G word, um, goals and what are you doing and, and all those sort of things. And so, um, I, I like to talk more around values, alignment and connection, but, but I guess it is about having some, some tangible outcomes in our life. And so for, for people that, that goals approach, it, it's fascinating that I think you said before, we're, we're young and we, we often get just, I don't know you talk to relatives, you talk to everybody's like, Oh, what are you going to do after you finish school? What do you, what are your plans? What are you? What are you like? What all that sort of stuff? Whereas then we start working and we move into to adulthood a bit more uh, broadly, and we don't often ask that question as much. And I guess I get I'm fairly privileged because in my role as a financial planner, I help create a space hopefully for people to sit back and reflect on those things. But what's your journey been around that goal stuff? Like again, you've you've interviewed Sting and Snoop Dogg. I mean, for for some people listening, they go awesome high five. You've made it. But how's that journey been for you? I was really clear by about the time I was in the 10th grade that I wanted to be a journalist. Um, there was definitely some, you know, I had a massive love for music thanks to my dad. And I I kind of, you know, I, I must have thought something about wanting to write for music because I'm pretty sure my school yearbook said that I wanted to write for Rolling Stone, like that was the little line that I'd written. So um, I became a journalist pretty much straight out of high school and I was really lucky that the girl that I sat next to at the first office that I worked in was the music editor of the newspaper. And um, she very kindly, uh, after much badgering, gave me my first shot at a music interview. And it was with uh, Neil Tennant from the Pet Shop Boys. And it was at 5.30 in the morning, which I think was part of the reason she let me do it because she didn't want to get up. And after that, I was, you know, I was completely hooked. And so over the next couple of years, even though I, as I was training to be a journalist, I always did this on the side. So I guess, you know, my first goal was to become a journalist. And so once I did, I got in there. And then, you know, then my goal became to write more about music because I just, I really loved it. And then, you know, so I started to kind of make these series of goals. And I feel like they were, you know, the goal about who do you want to be is always the most important one, right? In the beginning. And I feel like in your 20s and 30s, everybody is asking you about what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it, when you're going to do it. And then, I don't know, it kind of just dribbles off. I feel like, you know, you're, like you mentioned, you're in a lucky position because you're always asking people what they want and, you know, you're helping them get there. Um, I think once you hit about 40, people stop asking you or they stop thinking maybe that you have any goals or, I don't know, maybe you're just talking about other things. 
And I often say to people, it's that accumulation phase a lot of the time. I, I meet, again, if people go down the path of having kids or if they're paying off debt and paying off mortgages and things, you sort of get into that rut and you start going, oh, yeah, well, I've and I bought a house. That was a goal. I've, I've done that. I started my career. That was a goal. I've, I've done that. And so it is that, that evolution that you sort of, as you say, you might get into that holding pattern a little bit and go, well, okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. Okay, I don't quite own the house yet because I'm still in a joint venture with the bank or whatever it might be, um, not retiring yet. So, um, yeah, it is fascinating that, that that changes. And I guess, I don't know, in, in conversations now, so from your 20s to, to where you are now, how have you seen your goals change or, or have you seen different elements come into that as you, I don't know, again, interviewed some of these amazing uh, rock bands of the world? Has What's important to you changed or what you're trying to pull together changed? Yeah, I think when I uh, when I started working as a journalist and I, you know, got into doing all the things that I was doing, I kind of came up with this handful of goals. So there were a bunch of things that I wanted to do. And um, obviously, once I started working in music, you know, I also had a bit of a bucket list of all the people that I wanted to talk to. And um, luckily, I got to talk to lots of the people that I thought were interesting and lots of people that I, you know, really wanted to talk to. Um, and some of them took longer than others. But at the same time, obviously, I had, a, I had another list. Um, I wanted to be you know, I wanted to write music full time. I wanted to have a house that was close to the beach. I decided I wanted to move and live in Mexico for a little while. Um, and then I decided when I came back, I wanted to run my own business and uh, work as a freelance writer. And and I wanted to look at a couple of other things. But I feel like, I guess, and I'd be interested to know if anyone else kind of thinks this way, I feel like I had these big sort of five goals that I thought would take me up until my retirement. But in fact, I was finished and in and out of all of them by the time I was about early 40s. And so I got to that point and went, huh, what do we do? Like, I've got to make some more goals. What does one do at this age when you have a lot of what it was that you thought you wanted? Now you've got to go and find the next things. Yeah, that's quite true because they, they evolve and some of the things you, you cross off the list, as you say, that bucket list of I want to do and interview people. And um, we've, we've talked about on this podcast before, we use a, a few different methodologies and, and questionnaires with clients. And so one of those is the three questions. And so we've, we've done an episode with uh, George Kinder and uh, also Amanda Pond previously on the podcast that you can go and, and check out as well if you haven't listened to those yet. But really helping people to sit back, take stock and go, well, actually, what's really important to me? Sure, it might be, yeah, I got to interview these people, cross, 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 cross. But I guess in your heart of hearts, what are the things that are, if you weren't going to be here much longer or you weren't here anymore, that you're really going to miss, that you're really going to want to value more and that you want to be remembered for, I guess, at the end of the day? And any of those things that you've, um, again, done or, or things that you haven't been able to do, but but have I guess in reflecting on them now, are there, are there different elements that have come into life? Are they are they still as important? Like if, if there's still people on that bucket list that you haven't interviewed yet? Look, I, I have been incredibly blessed to meet some of the most famous people in the world. Um, and I am going to name drop a little bit here just because I know you've sort of been please asking. Please do, please do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, look, you know, I, I have interviewed um, – Bon Jovi and Pink and people like Julio Iglesias and Enrique Iglesias and um, the Rolling Stones all the way through to people that 
kind of tried to be famous and never got famous uh, through to tons of Australian bands from, you know, Hunters and Collectors and Midnight Oil and Tina Arena um, all the way through to, you know, more current people. And I guess, you know, what I learned from a lot of those people was that that the money and the fame didn't make them happy. And it made lots of people happy. Yes, it does. But um, when you're in those moments when your life's not working perfectly and just because you have that fame, it doesn't always work perfectly, that you've got to make sure that, you know, your friends and the cool things that drive you internally are the things that you can dig into. Um, uh, just by example, talking to a guy in a very, very famous, uh, well-known boy band who had, you know, trouble with substances and other things. And, you know, we had a conversation and he said to me, you go out, you perform to all these people, they're sending all this love to you and you're in a foreign country and you go back to your hotel room and it's silence and you're alone. What do you do with that? Like if you don't have good internal structures in your life and you don't have maybe friends to call or I don't know, maybe you don't read books or do yoga or I don't know, whatever you might do with it. Um, you'll do stuff that's not great for you. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and and the, so the money as well. Sorry, but yeah, like I guess money comes into that, and, and I guess we see it on I'm the sorry. daily. And I guess media loves to be able to pull people down from that pedestal as well. We push them up there, and then they they end up with money flowing in, and then they they've got I guess that opens opportunity, and then any chance we can, we get to pull them back down to to, to earth. And go, oh, you're just like us. You 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 failed, or you fell, or you you did this thing, and yeah, it's it's fascinating. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. I'll let you keep going. No, it is, but it's it's such an unenviable position to be in at some in some ways. And and again, look, I'm not knocking fame and money because the people that you know have gotten it have worked their asses off to to get there. And and it is genuinely a lot of hard work. But I, you know, I don't. I guess I came out of it, and I, I come out of it all the time. I admire the people who, I guess, who work for a living. You know, who really who have a really good work ethic. And in fact, I admire the people who've, you know, fame obviously is a relative term, but there are a whole bunch of musicians, which is, you know, largely the world that I've come from, but musicians and, and probably act, well, definitely actors and writers who have made really good livings for their entire lives. They're the, the guys that, you know, in TV that always play the police commissioner or always play, you know, the, the sidekick doctor or somebody. Um, and they're, they're notable because they're really good at what they do, but they're probably not famous in that super stratospheric way, the way, uh, you know, red carpet superstars are. And yet I admire those people because hopefully they're making a good living, but they're doing what they love. And mm. that for me has been, you know, uh, for all of my career, my motivation. I am such a huge music lover. I love books. I love screen and indulging in being able to talk to these people about their creative process and what makes them tick has been, you know, has been one of the biggest joys of my life. So while I got to have a great time, I guess now that I'm largely out of that space and I'm, um, you know, in a different decade doing different things, um, you know, my goals have changed. I'm not out partying every night and talking to people. I mean, I still talk to a lot of people as a journalist, which is one of the things that I love, but uh, my life is different. My life is very different post 50 than at 25. 
I, I fully endorse a, a 7.30, 8pm bedtime. People do, some of my good friends call me Grandpa Scotty because I, I do like to go to bed early, but uh, appreciate that fully. But um, Yeah, I, you know, one of the great things about meeting lots of these people is that, you know, there are plenty of rebels amongst them and that, you know, that's always exciting. And I certainly, um, from a, I guess, from a personal perspective, from what I wanted out of life, I've wanted to have, you know, interesting people meeting and talking to interesting people, hearing people's stories. Uh, To me, that is one of the coolest things that you could ever do. I mean, I have been in the past, obviously, current circumstances, uh, a little bit of an exception, but have been a bit of a traveler. And some of the coolest, most amazing conversations that I've had in my life have been uh, randomly and with strangers and people that I've met on the street or people that I've asked directions of. And, you know, I think to value those sorts of things and obviously you know uh, to have money to allow you to do that but for me money has never been you know that driving force i value people and interesting stories and you know obviously that's probably why i'm a journalist but um i think when you look at those values then you hopefully you can choose work that you love and you could choose goals that you that you love. So me now as a different person from 25 year old party person, really, um, I'm, you know, I choose, yeah, I choose friends. I choose interesting situations over, um, you know, going to bed at, you know, in the middle of the night. I mean, my life was very much go to bed at two or three in the morning, you know, get up at early and start working and keep going. (laughs) And now it's a lot, you know, it's a lot saner. So that's, Again, I guess that's kind of around goals, isn't it? Or around how you choose to live your life as opposed to maybe goals. Yeah, yeah. And, and that intention around life, I think it's that um, the ideal and, and what those ideals are. And, and as you say, like, again, there might be people still in their, their 40s and 50s who are, not, um, yeah, love getting going out night, at night still and late at night and then I wake up early in the morning and go back to work. But, um, uh, again, it might be about those other things and, as you say, um, uh, engagement at a different level, the, I don't know, keeping flexible, keeping your body moving, all those sort of of uh, other elements that uh, that you start to pull together into the the ideal day to day. Ara, we, we keep these episodes short and sweet, and we could probably talk about all this stuff for for many many uh, hours. But I guess like just thinking on um, some of the I don't know processes, the things that you've been through, just in the in a final few comments. But last five years, are there any sort of habits, behaviours, beliefs, practices that you think of? Uh, improved or um, major life, uh, yeah, more more complete in that regard. Yeah, I think there there are probably two things. Um, I, I've actually finally started facing my money, which um, and uh, not because I've become in dire straits, but because I've kind of gone, hey, you're old enough, you need to pay attention to this now. Um, and I'm blessed to have you know to have worked with interesting people and found interesting books that have helped me kind of go, ah, okay. Um, and I guess linked to that, I've adopted a much more kind of minimalist aesthetic um, in terms of how I'm trying to live my life. I'm not always successful, but that's what I'm trying to do. And I think. Uh, that kind of attitude um, and that sort of sense of simplicity has also caused me to try and be more mindful with how I spend my money and and whether I should even spend it on something at the time. 
Yeah, no, and that's. I think that again, that whole intention and um, minimalism and and just I don't know, checking that that in as well. I often again hear uh, and I've said before probably as well that we human beings often suffer from that chronic not enoughness, um, and so we're always chasing the the new newest thing or newest stuff and um, filling our lives up with with stuff and things. And um, again, that that could could fit people and be right for some people, but often that isn't about uh, necessarily making ourselves feel better. It's it's more around uh, potential other other things going on as well so um yeah great great insights there all right and um any other parting uh parting tips i, I know you've sort of sent me through a few uh great books and i, I love uh, atomic habits um that is one of my fave fave books that uh, have, have come up but any others that are uh, sort of worth noting or, or throwing out there for people to go and check out um, well, I guess a couple of the other ones that we'll um, that I love are um, one called "The Creative Habit" by Twyla Tharp, who's a very well-known uh, dancer, and one called "The War of Art" uh, by a guy called Steve Pressfield. These are both about creativity, but um, one of them is more specifically about writing, but the other one is just about creativity in general. And I think it's important for people to know that you don't have to be an artist to be creative. You can be a great gardener or a great cook, and that is your creative outlet. So I guess my thing would be to encourage everybody to find something that um, they're creative about or with that maybe is not related to their job that brings them some joy. And I think that's, you know, I think that's a really, I think it's a really wonderful thing for people to be able to express themselves Anyway, that works for them, whether you collect stamps or, like I said, make a great lasagna or, you know, grow good yeah. roses. I love it. I love it. And that, that again, it's it's just about finding the, the things that fill you up and the, the things that inspire you or, or even just uh, make you feel happy and, and smile. Yeah, actually, I get joy out of this, whatever, whatever it might be um, at the end of the day. Yeah, and I, and I think as a, you know, parting idea, maybe goals are the things that we do have when we're much younger. And then maybe as we get older, what we do is exactly what you've said. We morph more into an understanding of who we are and a lifestyle of how we want our life to be and who we want to be in it. So maybe that's why, maybe we've solved our question. Maybe that's why, you know, goals change and that people become more, in, you know, interested in different things and they don't ask you so much about it because maybe it's because you're kind of doing a better job of living them as your lifestyle yeah wow I love that, Ara. That, and that's that's a nice little way to uh, to wrap up today. And um, look, I will add all your contact details to the show notes as well because I know you've, you've uh, been doing a podcast as well um, and, and I haven't asked you about that today, but I'll, I'll put the links on there for that. Have you got a quick little, little elevator speech on, on what the podcast's about? It's called Totally Sucked In and it's about um, the first chapter of a book and we read it and we talk about it and I match some music to it and my podcast uh, podcast friend claire matches a beer to it because she likes beer <laughs> i love it that uh that sounds fab but look thanks so much Ara. i've appreciated your insights and your time and it's been a really uh, great discussion today so hope everybody else has enjoyed it who's been listening and again uh, if you have enjoyed the podcast please go and jump on and uh, like us or give us a rating on apple podcasts and we'll see you next time